0: Yeah, the other day my brother was talking about the podcast with me and he said, are you going to have any, like, special guests? Because if you do, you should do an episode about what it's like to be the family member of a dermal therapist, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of ill ill feeling you get when you're mid-conversation and you, and you notice your brother's eyes start honing in on each and every one of your pores and you start thinking, did I cleanse properly today? And I said, Stevie, like, that's that's your paranoia about not cleansing. That's got nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. We're not looking at your pores. It's similar when you, like, go to a dinner party and, you know, you'd say that you're a dermal therapist and people go, oh, don't look at my face. And I just think, well, I wasn't looking at your face. But now that you brought it up, do you actually want to talk about your skin? And always they're like, yes, mm-hmm. I do. I've got a few questions.
1: We can talk about skin
0: if you want. Oh, always, always. Oh, we might might even do a podcast one day. (laughs) So, Yads, today's episode I think is more – than a podcast. It's more of a public service announcement because do you know what I think the real pandemic is at the moment? What is it? It's people doing too much to their skin at home. And whilst today we're really going to talk about impaired barriers and how to avoid them and what to do when they occur, I think it really is part of a bigger discussion around how sometimes skincare, as much as we love it, can do more harm than
1: good. Totally. I think reactions... I just, unfortunately, part of a dermal therapy's journey, you know, as you say, James, it's not an exact science and there are so many reasons that a product might not be suitable for a particular skin and sometimes we might not even find out until a client goes home and tries it. Yeah,
0: totally. And it's not that we're saying that there isn't a huge scientific element to what we do, you know. Um, The effects of so many of the topical ingredients that we use are scientifically validated, as are a lot of the treatments we perform in clinic. What I'm just trying to say is that we are saying that everyone's skin is so vastly different and skins change from day to day, week to week, month to month. So quite often there is a real trial and error element to it. And it's for this reason that, you know, things do, can and often go wrong.
1: Totally. And I think let's try and help anybody out there that might be feeling that the skincare they have isn't really working as best as it could be for them. Mm -hmm. You know, as dermal therapists, we're constantly seeing clients who have pushed their skin too far.
0: And pushing your skin too far is easy to do and particularly within the world of cosmeceutical grade skincare. And I think that that is sometimes where skincare does get a really bad rap because, you know, you hear about people that have bought a product or bought a range of products, whether they've used skincare before or not. And they say, oh, I used this skincare and it made my face burn. So I'm not doing skincare and I just wash my face with water and I'm much, much happier. Hmm. These reactions do occur. And rather than giving up, it can be as simple as making some simple tweaks to a routine or introducing your skincare a little bit slower that can get you back on track to fab skin. So Yads, why don't we start off with a little bit of a lesson in barrier function?
1: So your barrier is your outermost layer of the skin and it's made up of lipids that um, bind cells together. I kind of think of my barrier as a bodyguard. It, It protects you from environmental aggressors and essentially just keeps all the good Guys in and the bad guys out. Well said. Um, You'll often find skincare products that are trying to mimic certain functions of the skin as well or work with ingredients to keep our barrier happy and healthy. So essentially, a healthy barrier looks plump, clear, um, and hydrated. The ways to maintain a healthy barrier is to make sure that you're using the right skincare for your skin. Your skin has to be adequately hydrated. You don't uh, You shouldn't be overdoing it with products. You should be wearing SPF daily and ensuring your skin is pH balanced. And what I mean by that is that you're not stripping the skin. You know, that squeaky clean feeling that a lot of people love is never really that great. But if you have an unhealthy barrier... There are probably a few things that you should be on the lookout for. You know, if your skin is feeling really dehydrated, if you have severe dryness, um, sometimes a general redness or inflammation in the skin is super common. If you have issues like rosacea, you might even get increased breakouts. You know, a lot of people with acne prone skin actually have impaired barriers, rashes, eczema flare ups, irritation, itchiness, flaky skin, if your skin hurts. Um, you know, painful skin or just an overall dullness to the skin as well. You know, you can have one of these or you can have a whole combination of these and all of these things can contribute to an unhealthy barrier.
0: Mm. Yeah, listening to that, Yads, it really highlights just how important a healthy barrier is to our skin and also how as dermal therapists or as skincare users, we really are kind of playing with fire when it comes to our skin's natural barrier because its role is to keep things out, yet we're trying to get things in. But you can have the best of both worlds, yet there are certainly some products and ingredients that are more commonly responsible for damaging our skin's barrier.
1: Totally. I think the most common ways that people generally impair their barrier is via overexfoliating. i feel like I see that the most in clinic. People can be using too many harsh acne products. You know, they buy the entire routine of, of acne mm. skincare and not realise that that's actually stripping the skin and will lead to an impaired barrier. Uh, using the right cleanser for your skin is really important because you can overstrip the skin via your cleansers as well. Clay masks, detox masks, like overusing them, there's no need to overuse masks um, like that in conjunction as well with active skincare. And, of course, overusing... Um, retinoids or, you know, overusing vitamin A or the wrong vitamin A for your skin.
0: Yes, so common. And important to note, Yads, that some people's barriers can just be inherently or genetically fragile. So in those cases, we would hope that someone in that situation would know that prior to going to town with Sort of a new exfoliant or introducing certain actives, as skins in these circumstances already have a bit of a reduced capacity to tolerate certain ingredients, such as in the case of eczema, dermatitis, clients who are highly allergic, clients who are immune compromised, and who might be undergoing um, treatments or taking medications for other medical conditions.
1: Mm-hmm. And then there are allergic reactions as well. You know, these can happen not because a client is necessarily pushing their skin too far with their skincare. But, you know, they're applying an ingredient that uh, isn't right for them and that can cause an impaired barrier as well because the skin just isn't happy with that ingredient that they're using.
0: That's totally me with hyaluronic acid and sodium hyaluronate. Like I found out that I was allergic to hyaluronic acid serums really, really early on when I was first introduced to one and I thought it was the most incredible thing in the world because my skin felt unbelievably hydrated and supple yet about 5 days later i had this terrible allergic reaction to my eyes my skin went very very inflamed became very very thin started flaking and was really really uncomfortable so i obviously stopped using it and then i tried to introduce it again a couple of a few more times after that and the same reaction occurred then what started to happen after that is every sort of like couple of months I would have a similar reaction but not so severe, and it took me years. And, you know, I'm trying to say this because, you know, I, I know a little bit about skincare, yet it took me years to actually work out that I was also allergic to sodium hyaluronate, which is really, really common in um, structure to hyaluronic acid, but sodium hyaluronate is in everything. Mm. It's, uh, it's I found it really tough to find a moisturiser that doesn't have it in it. So if I do, if I'm unlucky enough to pop a product on with some sodium hyaluronide, I get that reaction very, very quickly. And that impairs the barrier around my eye area and it becomes really, really uncomfortable. So I have to steer clear of that. So it took me a long time to work out what I'm allergic to. So if anyone's in the similar boat, finding that they're constantly having these reactions to putting skincare on, then you kind of got to do what I did a little bit and become a bit of a detective and try to find out from an ingredient perspective what could be causing it. So, Yads, I have a philosophy, and that is your skincare shouldn't be uncomfortable to work. Now, as a dermal therapist, of course, I'm not opposed to pain. And, you know, beauty is pain is, is, is something that we say in the clinic on a daily basis. But I believe that it's in clinic where things should really feel uncomfortable if they need to. And then from a home care perspective, your skincare should be a pleasure to use, you know, it should be supportive, it should be nurturing, it should be a a pleasure to perform, you know, your routine obviously should be a joy, but also when it's applied, your skin should be going, oh my God, I love this.
1: Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be uncomfortable at home. In clinic is different. I think it's important that the moment you start feeling uncomfortable at home is the moment that you pull back on your skincare. Totally. You know, there are certain things that I notice in my skin when I have potentially taken it too far, and that might be, you know, I do notice my skin is a little bit redder than usual. Sometimes my face feels a little bit stingy when I apply certain products. But sometimes there are some products like an at-home peel, which might sting a little bit for a short mm. period of time, and the packet may even say, you know, this will sting. Upon application, people yeah. might feel, yeah, feel a slight stinging, you know. So that's different. I think people just need to be aware that while waking up glowy from an exfoliating treatment is really great, going hard again with that exfoliating treatment, thinking that you're going to continue looking glowier and glowier, it's not so great. You know, you're not going to get the results that you're after when you push your skin to that point. It's only going to make things worse. So uncomfortable is bad, a little tingling, not too bad, and actually quite common with some products.
0: Yads, some common ingredients that in small doses are good but too much are bad are unfortunately ones that tend to be, you know, the most popular and rather in demand, hence why I said that we're chatting to clients a lot um, about how they've overdone their skincare. So I think one, as you touched on earlier, it's exfoliation and every dermal therapist has a different philosophy when it comes to exfoliation. You know, some dermal therapists actually are anti-exfoliation and going back to a function, they're the sorts of um, therapists that just think good skin begins and ends with barrier function. So if your mm-hmm. barrier is disturbed ever, then you know you're potentially rendering your skin at the risk of being damaged. So we're on the other side of the coin. I love exfoliation. I think that exfoliation plays a massive role in in skin looking and feeling its best, and I also believe that it p- plays a big role in us being allowed to get our active ingredients into the skin. And of course, this is dependent to each and every skin after we've consulted them, but I'm pro exfoliation as regularly as a skin can handle it. So for me personally, I exfoliate each and every night with a small amount of alpha hydroxy acids that allow my products to penetrate so that when I wake up the next morning, ideally my skin looks as as fresh as it can. But, you know, I'm not telling everyone to go and do that because within the wonderful world of exfoliation, there are so many different products that range from you know, mild to extreme. And also every skin condition or skin type needs a different sort of exfoliation or exfoliant, I should say. So, you know, if if you're more on the fragile or barrier impaired, potentially you shouldn't be exfoliating or favour like some gentle um, enzymatic exfoliants. If you're trying to get stuck into your skin a little bit more, hydroxy acids and of course kind of everyone starts with a scrub you know that's where I started with my Aesop tea tree leaf exfoliant that I used to go to bloody town with um, mm-hmm. that, you know that's a great way to start introducing exfoliation into the skin but there can be some more sophisticated methods that can allow your exfoliation to target specific skin types
1: Just on that though I do think that now you can get quite gentle scrubs as well. And when they're formulated well, some skins really love them. Like, I don't think that they're, I know a lot of people are scared of, of physical scrubs, but they're, they're not made the way they used to be either. So.
0: And a lot of people like a scrub yads from, from a ritualistic perspective, you know, like I might have, yeah. a, um, I can think of quite a few of my clients that they have their nightly AHA serum, but they're like, do you have a scrub? Because I just really like to do it. And I say to them, look, you don't need this scrub, but if you just want to treat yourself once a week, I'm very, very happy for you to do this. Just don't use your AHAs on that night.
1: I have um, a scrub for my nose, just my nose. I don't use it on the rest of my face.
0: Is it like called a nose scrub on the packaging, or you just?
1: should just create a nose scrub because i would buy it you know
0: someone needs to create a left cheek scrub left and then a right cheek. cheek scrub and a forehead scrub oh god
1: but you know there are certain areas of the face that do require that little bit of extra exfoliation like I, sometimes i don't need to exfoliate my face all over but i can just use a certain exfoliant on one area like my nose <laughs> <laughs> um another thing that um can impair your barrier, obviously, is retinol. Everyone loves the vitamin A, but there are really so many mistakes that people make with vitamin A. You know, a lot of people go out and want to buy the strongest strength mm. retinol, thinking it'll get Always. them the best results. Um, and this is why a consultation is so important because we wouldn't do that with a client, but a lot of people can just buy whatever they want online. Again, using it, overusing it, or slathering on too much, we really only need a P sized amount of a vitamin A. Um, to be getting the results and, again, starting slow so you don't go in with using it every single night when you just first buy it. Really start using it, you know, once or twice a week and see what your skin is like and then building up that tolerance to the product. Mm. I also see a lot of people buying prescription strength uh, vitamin A when they really don't need it. It's not always the best solution for a lot of skins and while it's good, I personally probably wouldn't recommend it long term. There are little tips and tricks that I know that I use with my clients as well. If we have you know, a, a vitamin A in clinic that they really want to use, but might be just a little bit too strong for them, sometimes putting a moisturizer underneath kind of buffers the effects and, and will minimize the irritation in the skin. And then putting a moisturizer on top. So you can do that with your vitamin A as well. Although you do need to find one that your your skin can tolerate. And if you are using a vitamin A, of course, making sure that you're wearing SPF religiously, which I know we all should be anyway, but especially when you're using even exfoliants, like any type of active ingredient, it's going to make your skin more susceptible to sun damage and will make it more sensitive. So definitely get that SPF step right and mm. then move on to your actives.
0: Yeah, you know, the the prescription strength retinol conversation is a tricky one. And, you know, Yad's. Yeah, Where I get a lot of my information from about particular products or brands comes a lot from my clients because as dermal therapists, it's impossible for us to know everything about every brand. So, you know, I might have some views and opinions on a certain brand because I've heard enough people kind of talk about them when they've had an experience using them. And one of them is, you know, prescription strength vitamin A, I think I could probably count on two hands the amount of my clients or the number of my clients that have been able to successfully introduce prescription strength vitamin A into their skin Mm -hmm. because, you know, it can be really, really aggressive. And it's not always being administered by doctors that actually know a lot about the skin or know a lot about skincare. I've seen the instructions. It's really confusing. It's like, start off by using this for five minutes and then rinse it off. And then as you said, yeah, you know, you can buffer it by putting a moisturizer underneath or mixing it with a moisturizer. But I think, well, is that going to impede the effectiveness of a retinol? Of course, I'm very pro-cosmaceutical skincare because I can't prescribe, you know, medical strength products. But what I love about cosmeceutical grade vitamin A is that there is a whole world of of vitamin A options out there ranging in so very mild for those more sensitive, fragile, you know, barrier impaired skins to, you know, really aggressive. And what I enjoy as a dermal therapist is taking my clients on that vitamin A journey where they might have started on a very low dose. Then, you know, as their skin, as you see and feel their skin improve, you step it up a little bit, then you step it up again and step it up again you know, Dr. Alice Rudd, who um, I refer to a lot, um, she told me that we have only a certain amount of vitamin A receptors in our skin. So when you go and put vitamin A on the skin, if those vitamin A receptors have all been taken up, it just irritates the skin. That said, how do we get more vitamin A receptors? By using vitamin A. On our skin.
1: Definitely. And, uh, you know, with vitamin A as well, once your skin gets used to it, we can start doing funner, uh, you know, vitamin A peels and things in clinic as well.
0: With vitamin A, I do hear some people say that stronger is best, but use it in a frequency that your skin can tolerate. So let's say, for example, it's the uh, someone's skin can only tolerate once a week. Some people say a stronger retinol once a week is better than a More gentle vitamin A more frequently. I don't agree with that. So I'm much more in favor that someone uses a vitamin A in a dose they can tolerate as regularly as possible. And it's kind of akin to like eating well. You know, we don't just eat a salad once a week. We try to eat our vegetables and fruits and all the things that we know nourish our body as regularly as possible. So I kind of think about that when I'm trying to find a vitamin A for... Each skin type as well. And the other thing about vitamin A is, yeah, we were talking before, you and me both have a couple of clients who actually can't use vitamin A. At all. Yeah, and so whilst I whilst we're always like everyone should be on a vitamin A, just like be with hyaluronic acid, not everybody can tolerate it. Mm-hmm. For my client, for example, even the most gentle vitamin A, and we went through all of them, because I was like, I'm going to find you a vitamin A. I had never encountered someone that um, couldn't tolerate it. Her intolerance lay in, because we know that vitamin A stimulates angiogenesis or new blood flow to the skin. Every time she would put on a vitamin A, she would get redder and redder and redder, and then she would stop using it, and then it would revert back to what it was normally. So unfortunately, uh, still to this day, she cannot use vitamin A. So we mentioned the other day for our pregnant clients, the list of what vitamin A can do versus what vitamin B can do, for example, there's some similarities there. So she's all about the vitamin Bs and she's all about some other age management ingredients such as, you know, peptides and stem cells, because she really is very focused on age management, but alas, can't use vitamin A. So adds as if finding the right exfoliant and retinol isn't hard enough already. So many people actually use them in conjunction with one another, um, yes. which of course is only going to further increase the chances of these reactions as well. So yeah, what are some of the ways to avoid going over the top with, your skincare
1: Um, apart from being really mindful and actually listening to your skin which i think is very important it's very easy to overdo it with your skincare so keeping it simple if you're confused don't buy too many products and confuse yourself simplify your skincare so know what each product does in your routine every product needs to have a a purpose, again, you know, focusing on the basics: a gentle cleanser, a moisturizer, an SPF, and just being mindful and taking things slow.
0: You know, it really is not a sprint; it's it's a marathon. And I and I say that all the time. You know, I love an exercise um, metaphor. Ensuring that your barrier is actually healthy and strong prior to introducing any actives. You know that it is not burning from something else; that it's not um, overly flaky; it's not feeling sensitive like. I'd like to think that people know when their skin is is impaired or that it's not ready, but I mean, I'll never forget the first time that Hannah first came into my clinic and I was like, Hannah, <laughs> you have an impaired barrier. And she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you know, like, what have you been doing? She's like, I've just been scrubbing my face 10 times a day and, you know, using four different retinols. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I can tell. And she was like, I had no idea. So yeah. by pulling her routine back, um, I remember the next time I saw her, it, it was just worlds apart. And And I think even as people that know a little bit about their skin, you know, sometimes we can just think that if a little bit's good, surely twice as much is going to be twice as good. And that's unfortunately not always the case. The best way to treat an impaired barrier, I think too, is actually to prevent it from occurring in the first place as sometimes it can take a really, really long time to heal. And what people, as I said before, when people don't actually recognize that it's happening, they can let that impaired barrier go on for longer. They further aggravate their skin and then the healing time is going to be even longer once again, which is Mm -hmm. really challenging as we said, like in that last episode, you know, when we're talking about... People wanting to come in for in clinic procedures. It's really, really disheartening when people come in and they're like, "I'm ready," and you're like, "No, you're not." So, you know the best the best treatment is always what the skin needs on the day. So, if the best treatment is healing that skin and you know getting that barrier restored, that might take a little a little bit of time, I should say. That's still the best treatment, and then we'll go in and we'll we'll give the skin a treatment.
1: Totally. I, I actually think that that's a lot more common than people. Think you know, like people come in, come in with impaired barriers, and that's our starting point. You know, like we're not going to go really hard with the treatment because they want to fix their skin, but they they've come in with with you know an impaired barrier because of all of these really easy mistakes to make that they've been doing in their skincare routine, and it can take up to four weeks for balance to you know be restored to the skin, and it it can seem like a long time for a lot of people, but you can't you can't really continue with a routine with an impaired barrier because your skin will not be happy. Like I was saying before, your skin barrier is your frontline defense against the world. So keeping it happy is going to equal healthy skin. And remember, if you are confused by your skincare, book in a consultation with a clinician because they can teach you so many things. Mm,
0: Yeah. You want to, when a reaction occurs, try to isolate what the problem is and that can be really, really tricky sometimes i mentioned in a previous podcast you know sometimes people just buy the whole routine they buy the full six to eight products and they start using it and there's a reaction that occurs and their barrier is impaired and rather than just thinking these products don't work for me what we do is we get you to um just pull the pull the skincare right back to the basics ideally the cleanser moisturizer and sunscreen that you bought aren't causing any issues you've got to just let that skin heal Or you might potentially need to, and we'll talk uh, shortly, Yad's, about some good products to look out for if you do push your skin too far. But then when you feel that your skin's ready for it, you introduce those products again. Go slowly, try to find out what the issue is. And there might not be an issue. It just might be that you went too hard too fast. Or there might be, like with me, with the hyaluronic acid serum, that there is a product or an ingredient in there that your skin doesn't like. And if you introduce slowly, then hopefully you will actually find What the culprit is. And if you were given these products by a dermal therapist or through an online retailer, reach out to them. They're going to want to know what's going on and they've got troubleshooting advice. You are not the first person that has ever um, gone OTT with their skin. We know what to do here. So um, always reach out. And then, of course, you know, it might just be that those products weren't appropriate for you. So you it's it's all part of the journey you put them aside give them to a friend and try again so yads you are a product whore so i am a product whore. <laughs> what what ingredients have we got for anyone who is barrier impaired Thinking they might be barrier impaired, wondering if they're barrier impaired, knowing that they'll be barrier impaired shortly after listening yes. to this podcast?
1: Um, so, like I, I said previously, we've, you've got to strip it right back, um, focusing on the basics a good moisturizer, a gentle cleanser, and SPF. But, you know, ingredients to look for in your moisturizers are uh, really great ones of ceramides. I know Cosmetics Humidify Moisturizer is such a great moisturizer for impaired barriers. Um, a nice niacinamide serum as well is also great. I love Aspect B17 um, and Medicaid Clarity Peptides as well, which is quite a hydrating formula. Panthenol B5 also has anti-inflammatory properties. La Roche Pro Se makes some really great B5 products. You know, everyone's probably heard of, or at least tried the Cicaplast Balm B5, that's amazing for irritated skin, um, impaired barriers. You can put it on your body as well if you get, you know, little rashy bits on your arms and your legs. You can put it on your lips. You can put it on your baby. It's a really gentle product. They also have a, a Cicaplast B5 sheet mask which sells out all the time because it's so freaking cheap. It, I think it's about $13. It's a really uh, soothing anti-inflammatory sheet mask and you can keep it in the fridge and pop it on, you know, at the end of the day after your skincare. It's just, it's for the price, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, those La Roche-Posay products are really fabulous when you do find yourself um, barrier impaired and sensitive. The uh, B17 from Aspect, you know, we love that and rely heavily on that. I think that that's probably a bit more of a product for someone who maybe is prone to an impaired barrier mm-hmm. because it's 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 so great at hydrating the skin. It may be a little bit too active if you're super barrier impaired, but if you're prone to if you're using a high strength vitamin A or if you're trying to reduce your chances of of becoming barrier impaired to begin with that's a great compliment to any any product whereas the La Roche Posay ones have got all those really lovely nourishing hi- hydrating ingredients in it to instantly sort of calm and soothe
1: and you might find that with the La Roche Posay ones you're not using them all the time but because they're so cheap they're just nice to have on hand for emergencies
0: great for post treatment
1: post treatment the aspect B17 is something that you might like to regularly have in your routine i know that's a product that I always have in my routine, um, and there's one more that I need to mention because this is one that I relied on heavily when I had really sensitive skin during pregnancy. It's called the Skinceuticals Metacell Renewal B3 Emulsion, which is a, a bit of a mouthful, but it is um, essentially a. It feels like a hybrid between like a, a moisturizer serum hybrid, but it's so soothing on the skin and it's full of nice niacinamide and glycerin as well. So that would be really great for impaired barriers or anybody with sensitive skin. Mm.
0: You know, you mentioned at the very beginning, Yads, that, you know, when it comes to finding moisturizers, particularly if you're on the sensitive side or barrier impaired, finding those ingredients such as ceramides and essential fatty acids that are already contained naturally or form part of our um, a healthy barrier, you want to find your products chocked full of those because they are giving back to the skin what either isn't there naturally or what's been depleted. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a really important aspect of helping a skin heal because, when that barrier is impaired, the skin is hypersensitive to the world around us. So by using a richer product, so like we love the Cosmetics Rescue Balm or the Societe uh, Calming Relief Balm, like we are selling those two products by the truckload because during these lockdowns, people are just going crazy with their skin. They're like yeah. going a bit rogue. They're trying to, you know, they they, they can't connect with a dermal therapist. So they're sort of just trying to do some good work to their skin at home. Mask knee, uh, stress, you know, all these sorts of things are meaning that a lot of people's skins aren't its true self at the moment. So going over the top is really common. So we are encouraging people to just pull right back and to use something like a balm to allow the skin to heal and to provide a protective layer between their skin and the environment. And that's what we do with post-treatment and that's what we suggest with our clients anytime they've got some sensitivity.
1: Cosmetics Rescue Balm is amazing post-treatment in clinic as well. So a lot of these products you can purchase because your skin is impaired or it's just not, you know, It's having a moment, but then you can save it and use it post-treatment as well. All right, James, let's talk about the next episode, which is a super special one because it's our last one. I'm really sad
0: about that. I'm sad too. We'll just have to get together once a week still and just like – just like talk to each other
1: i'll lock myself in this room
0: yeah you love your little time away from the kiddies
1: yeah. <laughs> my time away from the kids this is heaven
0: so we will answer all of your burning questions uh surrounding skin and we really look forward to it and um yeah we'll have to bring a plate of food yeah because it's like the last day of school
1: yeah or a glass of wine
0: you can totally have a glass of wine Alrighty, <laughs> see you all then bye